is the discussion of two very great personalities two women who were successful in the true sense of the word this is what every woman aspires to be aspires for success that she can be successful in this life she can be successful in the life hereafter she can be a person who leaves a very rich legacy and many a times we hear about people who have left and how others talk about them and what a rich legacy they left what a role model they were to others and this is only the only thing that really is worthwhile in dunya that we leave a legacy of deen in order to be able to do this we need to inspire ourselves by discussing the lives of those who were true role models the lives of those who really left a great legacy and these two personalities that we will discuss today are the wives of sayyidina ibrahim ala nabina alayhi salatu wasalam one was hazrat sara alayhi salatu wasalam and the other hazrat hajra alayhi salatu wasalam they were such personalities that left a very great legacy hazrat sara alayhi salatu wasalam in her progeny came all the anbiya of bani israil numerous anbiya and had the hajra alayhi salatu wasalam's progeny came the greatest of all the anbiya and the nabis of allah taala sayyidina rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so this is the legacy that they left that in their progeny came these great personalities and they themselves possessed very great qualities which are an inspiration for every woman an inspiration for every human being that how to conduct themselves in life how to handle situations how to make themselves an asset to themselves to their families and to the entire ummah it is obvious that in the short time we cannot encompass the entire biography of these people there will be just certain incidents of their lives that will be taken and the lessons they from will be discussed first need to take the personality of hazrat sara alayhi salatu wasalam she was the first wife of hazrat ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam and ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam after having for a long time given dawah to his people eventually he made hijrat so while he was en route and moving from one place to the other it was a long journey he had to pass through various places he passed through one land where there was a very tyrant king and the issue of the tyrant king was that whenever anybody would pass by and if that person was accompanied by any females any woman then he would have them in our terms kidnapped and if it was the husband that was traveling alongside that husband would certainly be killed you know somebody else who still kidnapped the woman but 
Well, if it was the father, it was the brother, he let them free. In any case, the same thing happened. Hazrat Ibrahim is passing through this place, he doesn't know what goes on here. And this king is informed, there's a person passing through, his name is Ibrahim, and with him is a very beautiful woman. So he sent his henchmen, and they came to capture them. First they took Ibrahim along, and he was brought into the presence of this king, they asked him, who are you, and so and so, who is that lady with you? Now by that time he was informed what goes on here. So he said, she is my sister. And what he meant was that this is his sister in Islam, his sister in Deen. In any case, they released him, but now his wife was captured. She was brought into the presence of this king, and being the evil person that he was, he now made an evil approach towards her. Now, this is the challenge that she now faced. This person with this evil intention is approaching her. What did she do? It is mentioned in the riwayat of Ibn Kathir in Al-Bidaya and Nihaya that as soon as he started coming in her direction, she immediately entered into Salah and she began making dua. فَأَقْبَلَتْ تَوَضَّأُ وَتُصَلِّي وَتَقُولِ اللَّهُمَ إِنْ كُنْتَ تَعْلَمُ أَنِّي آمَنْتُ بِكْ وَبِرَسُولِكَ وَأَحْسَنْتُ فَرْجِي إِلَّا عَلَى زَوْجِي فَلَا تُصَلِّتْ عَلَيَّ الْكَافِرِ She immediately turned to Allah Ta'ala. She turned to dua. And she started making dua, Ya Allah, you know very well that I have brought iman on you, brought iman on your Rasul, Hazrat Daimah Salatu Wasalam, and together with that, Ya Allah, if you know, and obviously Allah Ta'ala knows, that I have protected my chastity. I have never allowed anybody to touch me in a haram way. Ya Allah, if you know that this is what I have done, then you protect me and do not allow this disbeliever to have any power over me. She made this dua, and this person, this tyrant king, fell to the ground, called to one riwayat, he became paralyzed, and another narration states that he also fell to the ground and he began choking to death. He began started kicking his feet and was choking to death. So he started pleading with her that please he realized that this is something to do with her dua. And he pleaded to her that you make dua that I be relieved of this situation, I will not harm you. So she made dua. This is the heart of the Ahlullah. That despite whatever she was gone through, but she still made dua. In any case, as soon as she made dua, this person was relieved and he came back to normal. But then again, his evil got the better of him and he started making a second approach. Again, she made dua to Allah Ta'ala, the same dua. Ya Allah, I brought iman and I have protected myself. I've never allowed anybody to touch me in a haram way or any haram excess of any sort. So Allah Ta'ala accepted her dua again. Again the same thing happened. This fellow nearly choked to death. Again he pleaded to her and she made dua again. Now, this is something for us to reflect on. That we also unfortunately do this kind of thing. When we are in a tight corner, when we are in some difficulty, when we are in some hardship, 
when some problems come, we turn to Allah Ta'ala in all earnestness. Ya Allah, you forgive me. Ya Allah, I will not make, commit any sin in future. Ya Allah, I will be very obedient to you. And I will perform all my salah regularly. And I will adopt parda. And I will do this and I will do that. And we make a lot of promises to Allah Ta'ala. MashaAllah, excellent. Very good. But no sooner does everything normalize, the difficulty is gone, and things t- now come back to a positive situation, we gradually start forgetting Allah Ta'ala again. This is something which Allah Ta'ala speaks about, the way the mushrikeen behaved. That they were idol worshippers, they used to worship a thousand and one idols, and hundred thousand idols. But when they would be sometimes in a difficulty, وَإِذَا غَشِيَهُمْ مَوْجٌ Allah Ta'ala speaks about this in the Quran Sharif, that when they are traveling by boat, and they are in the midst of the ocean, and sometimes a huge wave now comes, there's a storm suddenly breaks out, and the sea becomes very, very stormy, very rough, and a huge wave comes like a canopy over them, like a cloud over them. But obviously this cloud is not going to hang in the air. This cloud is going to come crashing down upon them. And this is going to be the end of them. Now when they fear this, then they turn to Allah Ta'ala alone. Only you can save us. Now they forget all their idols. They forget everything. They turn to Allah Ta'ala alone. But Allah Ta'ala says, najahum ilal barri idahum yushrikun. So Allah Ta'ala protects them, saves them. Khair, whatever they are, but they turn to Allah Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala saves them. And Allah Ta'ala says, as soon as they come to shore, they get back to their shirk. So this is something that we are being taught here, that not to be following this kind of way. Sometimes these little reminders come in the form of some difficulties, in the form of some hardships. These are sometimes reminders for us, that we must come back to Allah Ta'ala. But come sincerely back to Allah Ta'ala. And then remain steadfast on that. So in any case, he... After he did this for the third time, and he was now, again the same thing happened to him, and he was dropped. Then he finally realized that this is something beyond me, and he called his people and said, Look, I don't know who you brought to me again. You are brought a shaitan and came. What he said, shaitan, actually what he meant was, somebody supernatural. This is not a human being that we know of. Whereas she was a human being, but this is how he described it. And he said, please return her to her, Ibrahim, and as a gift, he gave her Hazrat Hajra, who at that time, according to one narration, was a slave. He gave us a Hajra to her as a gift. Any case, she returns. When she comes to Ibrahim, what is he doing? He is engaged in Salah. And it is mentioned in the Riwayat that from the time that she was captured and taken away, he entered into Salah. And he remained in Salah. And until she came back, he was in Salah. Turning to Allah Ta'ala alone. Now this is the lesson that we learn from these people, that how they turn to Allah Ta'ala in all their situations. In any case, this is how Allah Ta'ala protected her and saved her. Now there are various lessons that we learn from this. One lesson we have already discussed. But some of the salient points of this incident... One she is that she was a person who was blessed with extraordinary beauty. When this tyrant king was informed that there is this person passing your kingdom, he was also told that with her is a woman in Ahsanin Nas, who is perhaps the most beautiful. So she was blessed with this extraordinary beauty. 
But she didn't allow this beauty to take her into fitna. She didn't flaunt this beauty and cause fitna for others. She protected herself and she never let anybody else fall into fitna also. So this is the very salient feature of this and when this kafir, this, this believer was making this evil approach, what did she present? What did she present to Allah Ta'ala? As a kind of wasila, as a kind of interceding to Allah Ta'ala by means of some amal. The amal was that, Ya Allah, you know full well that I have protected my chastity. This became the apparent means of bringing down the special protection of Allah Ta'ala. This became the apparent means of bringing down the immediate help of Allah Ta'ala. That she was in a very, very difficult situation. This is a king. Who's going to be able to fight the king? The king of all kings will fight the king. Insan will not fight him. But Allah Ta'ala is Ahkamul Hakimin. Allah Ta'ala is Malikul Muluk wa Malikul Muluk. Allah Ta'ala is the king of all kings and the owner of all kings. So, she turned to Ahkamul Hakimin. But what brought the Rahmat of Ahkamul Hakimin? It was this Amal of hers of guarding and protecting her chastity. She did not allow anything to taint her chastity. In any way whatsoever. In this time and age, this is something that we need to be focusing on very, very carefully, very deeply. As mothers, we need to be focusing on this in terms of our daughters. That together with whatever else we are supposed to be doing for them, one of our primary responsibilities is to make sure that their chastity is not tainted in any way whatsoever. Let alone Allah forbid in any physical way, even by means of any social media and any illicit chatting that takes place and all the kinds of contact that carries on via the BBM. Now that BBM has more or less died down, but this was at one time the rage of it. And this BBM used to be translated as Bahad Bari Musibat. BBM. Bahad Bari Musibat. And that was what it became. But now other things followed. And they say, follow me on Twitter. That is following this Bahad Bari Musibat became an even Bari Musibat. And all the other forms of social media. These are, these are permissible technologies. But by and large they are being misused. If it is used for the right purposes, nobody has any problem with it. But by and large, unfortunately, especially in the younger generation, these technologies are being misused very, very greatly. And it is bringing great amount of misery to the people themselves, to their families. And it has become a major problem for the ummah. So our responsibility is to ensure that our children stay safe and free from all these vices. And as mothers, this is what we often want to make sure that we give the best to our daughters in terms of the comforts, the luxuries, and whatever other things we can do for them. But the greatest gift that we can give to them is that we keep them protected and safeguarded from all the fitna and all the haram. So this is the lesson that we learn from Hazrat Sarah alayhi salatu wasalam. Then the other aspect was that what brought down the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala, we discussed it already, but one aspect from that incident, when she made dua and this king fell down to the ground choking and this happened once, twice, thrice. Eventually he said to her, what did he say? That how obedient is your Rabb to you when you make dua to him? Now this is what he is describing it as, obedient. 
Allah Ta'ala is independent of everybody. Allah Ta'ala is Samad. He is independent of his entire creation. He doesn't need anybody. But Allah Ta'ala answers the call of those who are obedient to him. So this is what she responded. She said to him that this is what you are saying to me. وَأَنْتَ إِنْ أَطَعْتَهُ أَطَعَتْ That you also, if you are obedient to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will answer your call as well. But you need to turn to Allah Ta'ala. So this is that lesson that we need to become truly the servants of Allah Ta'ala. Turn to Allah Ta'ala in every situation, every condition. And when we are in times of ease, we are turning to Allah Ta'ala. In times of prosperity, we are turning to Allah Ta'ala. We are becoming closer to Him. We are worshipping Him, obeying Him. Then in terms of adversity, in terms of difficulty, Allah Ta'ala will be with us. His help will be with us. So this is what we need to be doing at all times. That we turn to Allah Ta'ala in every condition. The other aspect was that she remained steadfast on Deen. She remained firm. She didn't waver in any way. And when she remained steadfast, let alone getting protected, Allah Ta'ala even gave her the benefits of dunya. The benefits of akhirat, obviously certainly in its place. But alongside came the benefit of dunya. Now when she's returning, she's returning with a gift of a slave. This was a very big thing at that time. Like in our context, somebody was given a Mercedes Benz, you take this and go. So she was given this material benefit as well. This material benefit came as a result of taqwa. But it came with barakat. We often confuse this, that if there is an excess, the more it is, this is always good. But that's not the case. If it is more but with barakat, then very good, mashallah. Then the more it is with barakat, nurun ala nur. But if the excess comes without barakat, and then it will come without barakat, when it comes with the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, then that excess will become a musibat. Then it will become a calamity. When there is barakat in something, that barakat brings production, good production. It brings what is wealth meant to produce. It's meant to produce happiness. It's meant to produce love and muhabbat within the people of the household. It's meant to produce peace and serenity and tranquility. So when there is barakat in that wealth, there is barakat in whatever those things are, then it will result in all this. And it will get used in good causes. It will get used in a way that will earn the akhirat for a person. And if the barakat has been snatched away from it, one is that it will get wasted in haram. And it will always become a source of some misery or the other. The happiness will be drawn out. The wealth will be plentiful. But there will be no happiness in it. There will be no joy out of it. It will be just one kind of empty life that a person will be living. So the thing to aspire for is barakat. And barakat comes with the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala grants barakat to those who are obedient to Him. And then the lesson in this we learn is, that Salah is the solution to our problems. And Sarah is faced with this challenge. At that time, she immediately turns to Salah. Ibrahim on this side, he has already turned to Salah as well. Allah Ta'ala opened the way for them. Unfortunately, Salah, and together with Salah, this dua, she turned to Allah Ta'ala begging him. Many a times we will do many things, to overcome our difficulties, our problems, provided it is within the limits of Shariat, no problem, it's fine, it's permissible. But we very 
really or sometimes at the end of everything, now we'll think of salah, if we do think about it, and dua. Sometimes the person has some problem, some jinn problem, jadu problem, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us all. These are unfortunately realities, though sometimes and in many cases it's just mind over matter. There are some realities, and in many cases it's just mind over matter. But sometimes a person has such a problem, so it will be easy to sit in the line and in the queue of some amil for five hours, but we won't get the topic of making dua for five minutes. Whereas dua is a real thing. Nabi Islam was also afflicted by jadu, by black magic. And in the Hadith Sharif it comes that after he tried to treat it medically first, he realized that this is something beyond that. Then da'a summa da'a. Nabi Islam then made dua upon dua. This is from the Hadith of Bukhari Sharif that he repeatedly, this is not just meaning that twice he made dua. It means repeatedly and excessively made dua. And when he, Nabi Islam, the greatest Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, the greatest of all the creation of Allah Ta'ala, and when he made dua upon dua, eventually he then said to Aisha that Allah Ta'ala has answered my dua. And now I have been given the full detail of what has been going on and what has happened to me, what has been done, where it has been done, etc., etc. The lesson of dua, that we turn to Allah Ta'ala in all sincerity and Allah Ta'ala will grant us our needs. In any case, this was one incident in her life that we learned so many lessons from. Then to take another aspect of her life, that she was barren initially. She had no children. And she was desirous of children, obviously. Like any woman would want children. But despite not having children and going through an advanced age already, she never became despondent. She kept turning to Allah Ta'ala. And Ibrahim also continued making dua, Rabbi Habli min as-salihin, Allah grant me a pious child. So, initially there was nothing that happened. In the interim, this incident took place with the tyrant king, and she came along with Hazrat Hajra as a gift. Now, Hazrat Hajra was her slave. So, what did she do? She also realized that Ibrahim wasalam, is desirous of a child and she is not bearing any children. So she then made a very great sacrifice. What did she do? She freed the slave and she gave her over in nikah to Hazrat Ibrahim wasalam. Can you imagine this? Don't get me wrong. We are not encouraging this. This is something which is a different topic altogether. But here also there are two aspects. One is when the men are addressed, then they advise that look, we can't fulfill the rights of this. So don't take a chance. But on the woman's side, we must have our minds clear about the command or the, the law of Allah Ta'ala. We should not have any reservations about the law of Allah Ta'ala. But Allah Ta'ala has made that multiple wives up to four for a man permissible. We must not have any reservations about the law of Allah Ta'ala. The natural feeling in our heart that is not something in our control. But we should not have any reservations about the law of Allah Ta'ala. And not have any questions in our heart about Allah Ta'ala's law. That's a separate issue that men would be advised, look, this is a very difficult thing. Don't take a chance because it's not somebody, everybody's job to be able to fulfill all the rights of every party. But as Sarah what we are learning from this is the aspect of consideration. This is the lesson we want to take. That she understood full well that her husband is also desirous of a child he is making dua, Rabbi Habli min as-salihin. I am not bearing any children. 
She did not become despondent, but at the same time she now considered him in a way which is very difficult for any woman. She gave Hazrat Hadira to him in Nikah. And eventually from this union Hazrat Ismail was born. But in time later, Allah Ta'ala blessed her with a child as well, Hazrat Ishaq So, two lessons we learn from this. One is the lesson of consideration. That we need to imbibe this lesson within us. Unfortunately, generally, the general situation is everyone is concerned primarily about their own comfort or what, what they want for themselves. A little bit here and there for others, fine. But otherwise, what I see goes. Whereas, we are learning here the lesson of consideration first for others. Whether it is our spouse, whether it is our parents for that matter, our children sometimes, our neighbors, extended family, whoever might be in need sometimes, consideration is a very great thing. This we've learned in so many different lessons from Rasulullah the Sahaba Ikiram, being considerate to others. So here also this is a great lesson she's teaching us from her life, the lesson of consideration. And when a person is considerate of others, Allah Ta'ala fulfills their needs first. This is the system of Allah Ta'ala. If not first, then it will still come. It will come with greater barakat. Our situations will be resolved for us. So the lesson of consideration is a very, very big thing. When there will be consideration from all sides, there will be happiness and peace. Because now everybody is considerate of the other. I must make sure I have fulfilled my responsibilities to the other and even considered their feelings and given something in more. Now if the husband is considered to the wife, the wife is considered to the husband, not just demanding each one, demanding their rights, each one demanding do this and do that, but rather each one wanting to do the more for the next person. Likewise with our parents, with our brothers and sisters, etc., extended family, then we'll find a truly united community will find muhabbat and peace and happiness. So this consideration is a lesson that we learn from here. Then in this incident that when she was given this glad tiding of a child, now she was already barren from before, then she passed the age of childbearing. And after she passed the age of childbearing, one day the angels came to Ibrahim in human form. So when they came to him in human form, Allah Ta'ala describes this in the Quran Sharif that when these guests came, Hal Ataka Hadith Ibrahim, Hal Ataka Hadith Udayti Ibrahim, is the Khalu Alayhi Fakalu Salama. Has this news reached you about the guest of Ibrahim Alayhi When they came, firstly they made Salam. Unfortunately, Salam is dying out of our lives, from our homes. Our children enter the home. Not everybody makes salam. And salam brings barakat in the home. Tahiyyatan min indillahi mubarakatan tayyiba. This brings barakat. But when we talk on the phone, other things will start first, no salam. Illa mashallah, some people alhamdulillah continue making salam first. But this is gradually dying off. And it's a very tragic thing that salam dies off. It's one of the most fundamental etiquettes. Teach our children to make salam. Ourselves to make salam. We are meeting with our friends, with our family, with obviously mahrams, and within the women themselves. So, salam. So, they came in, they made salam. As soon as they sat down, qala salamun qawmun muntarun. Ibrahim salam returned the salam. He said, You are strangers, I don't know you, but he quickly slipped out. 
اینڈ فراغ الا اہلی ہی فجا ابھی اجلن سمین ہیمیڈیٹلی They gave him the glad tidings that you will be blessed with a child. Now his wife overheard this and she expressed great surprise at this. فَأَقْبَلَتِ مْرَأَتُهُ فِي صَرَّةٍ فَسَقَّتْ وَجْهَهَا وَقَالَتْ عَجُوزٌ عَقِيمٌ That, will I be blessed with a child? And now this old person, elderly and barren, but they said, yes, Allah Ta'ala will bless you. This is Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat. Again, in this there are so many lessons for us. is the lesson of Hazrat Sarah alayhi salatu wasalam Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam the lesson of entertaining the guests as time is going these are things also that are dying out in the ummah slowly whereas these were essential things in the lives of muslims nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam emphasized this man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir falyukrim dhaifa the one who believes in allah and in the last day he should honor the guests So what we learn here is to honor the guests. But unfortunately, when we, the more we leave out simplicity, the more entertaining the guests becomes a burden. This is not something that has to be done in style. Unfortunately, we want to do it always in five-star style. Now after the five-star style, it's obviously exhausting. So after five-star style, for five moons we don't want to see a guest again. It's too much now. How many times are we going to carry on like this? But if we maintain simplicity, if there is one dish to present to the guests, Alhamdulillah, what is the problem with that? We would add something, one or two things, but that all means no problem. But when there will be simplicity, it will be a pleasure to bring a guest home. Maybe these things don't apply here. MashaAllah, people in the Transvaal, ex-Transvaal, we used to talk about it. Now it's Khauteng and are known for the hospitality. But in Durban, this is something that we talk about in there. Many a times, the husband, he phones home to say, I'm bringing some guests. The wife says, you know where Sparks Road? Now, maybe for those who are not familiar with Sparks Road, Sparks Road has probably got the highest number of restaurants per square kilometer. And the other part of Sparks Road, where Sparks Road is the example, is that if you don't take heat and you come here with the guests, there will be sparks flying here. So you rather go to Sparks Road if you don't want to, if you want to save yourself from the sparks flying here. So now the poor husband also doesn't even take a chance. So he'll now have to take the guest to Sparks Road. But now where did this come from? Because we gave up simplicity. Simplicity is not something that is a, a deficiency. Simplicity, this is a great quality. Al-Bazazatu min al-Iman. Simplicity is part of Iman, yes. Sometimes there's a guest that now we want to host in a more, uh, in a better way, by all means. But this doesn't have to become a must. And this doesn't have to become a norm. That it has to happen in this time. Then the other part of it is that when there are guests regularly attending a home, in the Hadith Sharif Abdullah ibn Abbas, he says, the Nabi Islam said, that khayr comes rushing to a home quicker than the knife goes to the hump of the camel. The Arabs, when they would slaughter a camel, 
the first thing they would do is they would go for the hump because that was a delicacy. So that's the first thing they would do. Knife would now, so to say, rush to the hump. So this was by means of a parable. That everybody knew when a camel is slaughtered, first thing we go for the hump. So quicker than that, the khair and barakat comes in a home. Al-baytul ladi yu'kalu The khair is quicker in that house in which guests are eating, where guests are being fed. Then the knife goes to the hump of a camel. So this is a means of great barakat. Then whatever was available, immediately he presented it. He didn't make any takalluf. And he didn't ask them too many questions first. That what will you eat and what, whatever he could present, he quickly first brought it. If they wanted to eat, they ate. Yes, they didn't want to eat because they were angels. They wouldn't eat. They don't eat. So they didn't eat. They didn't bow. Stretch their hands towards it. But we learned this great lesson of Mehman Nawazi. Of entertaining the guest. And if we keep it simple, it will be very easy to continue doing this. In any case, these were two incidents from the life of Islam, and many, many other incidents in her life. Unfortunately, time doesn't allow. Maybe on some other occasion, the Ulama Ikram will discuss this. But now to take the, some, one incident from the life of Hazar who was the second wife of Ibrahim According to one riwayat, she was not a slave of that king. Rather, she was his daughter. In Tariq Dimashq, this is what is mentioned, that she was his daughter. And when he gave her over to Hazrat then what he said to her was, that for you to live with this woman is better for you to live, to, for you to live as a slave with this woman is better for you to live as a princess in the palace. Why? Because he saw the qualities in this lady. He came with his evil intentions, but he saw what she had in her. And now he's saying to his own daughter, you are better off living as a slave with this lady rather than living as a princess in this palace. Now, sometimes, al-hikmatu dalatul mu'min. Wisdom is the lost property of a mu'min. Wherever he gets it, he must take it. This too was an act of, was a word of great wisdom. That he understood that this life, what is really worth in this life is the inner qualities. Now, as a princess, she had all the outer things. She had all the wealth of the world, literally in her hands. But that doesn't make a person. What makes a person are the jewels of the inside. Can you imagine, just for the sake of an example, we take it the other way around. Normally women are the one with the jewelry, but we just take the example the other way around. That some girl got married, and she got married to her, somebody who was the person of her dreams. The most handsome person around, extremely wealthy. He came driving the most expensive car, 500 grand car. The magrams alone were 100,000 each. And wearing the finest garments, all kinds of, unfortunately sometimes, nowadays boys wear more jewelry than girls also. So he's detecting all the jewelry and chain and whatever else, that watch alone he's wearing on his hand must be a million rands. And now she had this dream of marrying such a person. Eventually such a person came along and she got married. So now she should be the happiest person around. It should be that now she will have no, no problem whatsoever. But the first meeting, this person talks in a very abrupt way. I imagine he's meeting his wife for the first time. And obviously we're talking about the situation where that they did everything in a halal manner. They didn't get into any kind of haram relationship. So now in the first meeting, 
all the aspirations that would be there, she is talking now in an abrupt manner, what will happen to her? She'll get a shock. And then, by that evening now, he's already talking in a vulgar manner to her. And by the next morning, he is raving and ranting and shouting and screaming and she's going to be already phoning her father, please pick me up from here. And nowadays they don't even phone the father, they're already there themselves. So, what happened? He's still wearing all that expensive jewelry. He still has that same beauty. He's one day only now. He's still that same handsome person. He's still got the same car outside. That bank balance, he already gave her the credit card. Which got millions in it. The credit card is hers already. So what changed? Why isn't she happy? Why is she running away one day? And the same thing the other way around. If that boy got married to some girl with all these qualities, and she was abrupt, she was rude, she became vulgar, the next morning he'll be already over. Why? So all this outer jewelry lost its sparkle, all those sparkling diamonds became dull in the sight of each other. Because these are all temporary things, all material things, all artificial things. The real jewels are the jewels of, in, of the inside. The diamond of haya and modesty. The pearl of respect. The gold and silver of the qualities of iman, of modesty, of shame, of consideration, of compassion, of kindness, of being able to accommodate the next person. Of being one who is turning to Allah Taala, who has the qualities of Iman. These are the real jewels. These are the real diamonds. These are the real pearls and the necklaces and whatever else. Now, if a person has come without these outward things, somebody got married and they don't have these outward things. A little bit, one, two things they may may have, but they don't have much wealth. They don't have any kind of expensive jewelry. They have but the jewels of the inside. This girl will win her husband's heart in no time. And no matter what she came without any expensive jewelry, she doesn't have wealth to her name, but he will appreciate her and he will not want to sacrifice her for anything. And the other way around as well. So what we learn from this is that more than the external jewelry, we have to bring the jewels of inside into our children. And this is what this king, despite being a disbeliever at the time, this is the message he gave his daughter. That for you to live as a slave with this woman is better for you to live as a princess in this palace. Any case, Hazrat Hajar in this way she came to Ibrahim and then became his wife. Now we know that very famous incident after Ismail was born. Hazrat Hajar and Ismail they are now taken and they are left in a barren place. Ibrahim is given this order by Allah Ta'ala that leaves them in this barren place. So he goes, there's no question of him not going, he's a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, and he leaves them there. Now with whatever little provisions he could take along, and now he turns to leave. Now when he turns to leave, now she is a lone woman. She is alone with this little baby. So she's also insan, she's also a human being. She has the same concerns like other human beings. She has the same worries like other human beings. She also feels fear. She also has this sense of wanting to be secure. She also has this reality that I go to eat and drink. So she asks him, Where are you going? 
You're living us here in this valley and way, in this barren place, in this place where there's nobody to look after us, there's nothing here. Ibrahim Islam keeps quiet, he doesn't say anything. Then the second time she asks the same question, the third time, then she ch- changes the question. And the question she now asks is, that Allahu ladhi amaraka bihada, has Allah Ta'ala commanded you to do this? Now when he, when she is asking the question in this manner, because she knows her husband is a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. So she asks the question, is this the command of Allah Ta'ala? So he replies, yes. By indication, yes. When he says, yes, Allah Ta'ala has commanded this. Then she responds differently. Then she says, إِذَا اللَّهِ يُدَيْيَعَنَا Then Allah Ta'ala won't allow us to perish. You may go. Now this is a lone woman. She knows she's going to be left alone here. She's going to be left with a little baby. The provisions are going to run out very soon. And she's got nobody to look after her. There's no means of survival here. They, there's nothing to protect them from the elements. And she's going to be left alone. And she's ready for it. Now this when she made this sacrifice. So initially it became a little bit of a challenge. The provisions ran out, the water ran out, the child started now tossing and turning for water and she couldn't even bear looking at the difficulty of the child. So she ran up to Safa to see, can she see anybody was going on? She came back down to see how the child is. Then she ran again to Marwa and she did this. But this initial challenge Allah Ta'ala then brought ease. And the barakat of this qurbani and this submission to Allah Ta'ala brought such barakat that Zamzam came about as the barakat of this qurbani. And till this day, millions are nourished with it and millions take it back home and take it throughout the world and millions and millions of liters are being pumped every day and there is no shortage of it. But the lesson that we need to learn from this is that she was ready to be alone alone in a barren place, alone without any company, alone without any means of survival, to please Allah Ta'ala. Because in that was the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So we, our sacrifice, indeed this was a sacrifice, but where can we compare to her when we sometimes feel a little bit uh, left out, all our friends, or people in the community, or meaning those of our circle, or whatever, are all sometimes doing one thing. And that one thing is something which is not correct. There might be some function that is taking place, but there's intermingling taking place in the function, and there's sometimes music being played. Allah forbid now every other day we hear something else back home. There's dancing taking place in every other function, and all the things that invite the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. Everything that invites the wrath of Allah Ta'ala, we are one after the other falling headlong into it. So now somebody understands full well that this is not my place. I shouldn't be here. But, we sometimes get these kind of emails coming, that if I don't go, then I will be labeled as unsociable. I will be labeled as a person who has become a mother grandi. And I will be given all kinds of titles. And I will be an outcast. But, can we compare ourselves to Hazrat We will be left alone, but alone in the comfort of our homes alone in the protection of our families, alone with all the food and all the amenities and all the things of whatever we require at our disposal. Alone but not alone in any way. And where was Hajar being left alone totally there in that desert, 
but she wasn't alone because she had Allah with her. Likewise, we can't compare this with Hajj sacrifice. But we make this little sacrifice to stay away from all these haram things, these haram functions, these haram uh, things that go on sometimes among people, whatever. We stay away and inshallah, summa inshallah, though this cannot compare at all, not even one fraction, what Hazrat Islam did. But Allah Ta'ala will appreciate this as well, that in order to stay away from haram, to stay away from a sinful environment, to stay away from a sinful gathering, person kept themselves aloof, they felt left out, but they kept themselves aloof for the sake of Allah Ta'ala from such gatherings, inshallah they'll be resurrected with Hazrat Islam. They'll be resurrected with the Sahabiyat. They'll be resurrected with the Azwaj Because in this Zamana, in this time and age, this sacrifice too is Zalimat. This too is big sacrifice for our context. But she made this sacrifice and Allah Taala loved this sacrifice so much that as a reminder, that remember this woman and remember what submission she had and remember what sacrifices she made. Therefore, every Haji, man or woman, you're going to have to also run. You're going to have to run from Safa to Marwa. The Hujjaj are all gathered. Every Haji, his Hajj won't be complete till he makes the Safa between the, the Sa'i between Safa and Marwa. To remind one and all of this sacrifice of this woman. And so that we can also take this lesson of sacrifice. And we can imbibe this lesson and practice this lesson. So this is a very great lesson that she left for us as part of her legacy that she did not succumb to whatever her fears were, whatever else. She gave in to what was the command of Allah Taala, and Allah Taala then brought ease, and Allah Taala brought the comfort and security as well. When now water came, Zamzam came. After a short while, people were passing. They saw that there's some sign of water here. They came. They settled down. Other families came. In a short while, there was a whole settlement. So that security that she wanted, the company that she wanted, and whatever else, everything Allah Taala provided. So same in our case, when we submit to Allah Taala first. Allah Ta'ala will do what we want. In any case, Ibrahim then leaves them there and turns to return. But as he comes out of sight from them, he turns to Allah Ta'ala in dua. And the dua he makes is, Rabbana inni askantum min zurriyyati biwadin ghayri di zara'in inda baytika al-muharram. Allah has left my family in this wadi, in this valley, which is totally uh, barren, there is nothing growing here. And by the sacred house, because the Kaaba Sharif had initially been built there by Adam Islam, and then was rebuilt by Ibrahim Islam later. And he says, Rabbana liyuqimus salah. Ya Allah, I've left them here. What is the object? Allah, the first thing is so that they establish salah. This is the lesson for us as well. That we establish salah in our lives, establish salah in the lives of our children as well. And when there will be salah punctually being performed, we'll see the barakat of salah coming to our lives. Coming to our homes. لِيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ فَجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ Ya Allah, you incline the hearts of people towards them. So that they don't feel alienated. They don't feel ostracized. What will be the case? Initially there will be some challenge. But when a person remains steadfast for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, those who are calling her names, those who are giving her titles, those who are calling her unsociable, and somebody was saying you were trying, you were trying to become the Rabia Basir of the time, MashaAllah, you are very great. You are flying very high. And you are on cloud 11. All kinds of comments will be made. But when a person remains steadfast, because dunya is a place of tests. Everything doesn't happen at the press of a button. Person remains steadfast 
The time comes when Allah Ta'ala turns the tables. Those who are calling her names will come and ask her for dua. And sincerely, because they will believe that this person's dua will get accepted for me. Allah Ta'ala will put that muhabbat in their hearts. Allah Ta'ala will put that respect in their hearts. But first we have to stay steadfast. First we will have to allow our hearts to break for Allah Ta'ala's sake. And when we allow our hearts to break for Allah Ta'ala's sake, Allah Ta'ala will mend our hearts also with His love. And Allah Ta'ala will put muhabbat for, our, for us in the hearts of others. So this is the lesson that we learn from this dua that فَجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ وَرْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ And he says, Ya Allah, bring the fruits, literally translated as fruits, meaning everything of need, whatever they would require. Ya Allah, you bring it to them. Makkah Mukarramah is a barren place, meaning things don't grow there. Ibrahim could have made dua, Ya Allah, make this a fertile land. But he didn't make dua, Ya Allah, make it fertile. He made dua, Ya Allah, you bring their needs to them. So that they don't have to become immersed in dunya. And their attention is not occupied totally in dunya. They will make a small effort for whatever their needs are. But let that dunya come to them and you make their dedication and focus towards akhirat, towards deen. So this is what we learn from here is what is the primary aspiration that we should have for our children. The primary aspiration is deen. Together with that, within the framework of deen, if they earn some dunya, they acquire some skills of dunya, by all means, no harm. Everybody is not going to become a maulana and an alim. But everybody has to be a Muslim first. And everybody has to protect and safeguard their iman first. And whatever they will do, they cannot undertake and will not undertake anything at the cost of their iman. If the iman is going to be compromised anyway, then they say, I'd rather stay hungry than compromise my iman. So this is that lesson that we learn, that Ya Allah, you bring the dunya to them. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ And when the dunya comes, then the dunya must not take them away from you. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ So that they become truly grateful to you. Shukr, one is the verbal shukr. Person says, Alhamdulillah, MashaAllah. Person expresses the gratitude to Allah, Taala. But the reality of shukr is obedience to Allah. So this wealth of dunya must bring shukr in reality. That it must take a person closer to Allah Taala, make a person a true servant of Allah Taala. Then this is true shukr. So dunya also must become a means of gaining the qurb and the closeness of Allah Taala. So this is the dua Ibrahim Salaam made, and this dua has all these lessons in it for us. So the lesson of salah, we need to be make punctual on our own salah, make sure our children also performing the salah regularly. Then we guide them towards Deen. We ensure that they are punctual on the commands of Allah Taala and staying away from sin, keep, keeping them away from the devices of sin, from all the things that lead them towards haram. The cell phone is very, very useful technology, but if it is not used correctly, it will become a hell phone. It will become the ticket to Jahannam. It will take a person towards the fire of hell. So we need to protect our children from this. We need to safeguard ourselves as well. The television, the movies, whatever else, all these things that instill all the evils in the hearts of our children, we need to keep them safe from it. We need to turn them towards Allah Taala. Then we will find we'll have that peace of mind, that contentment, that happiness, that tranquility, even in dunya. The gifts of Allah Taala that come in the akhirat that is beyond doubt and that is beyond imagination. But the obedience of Allah Taala brings its immediate rewards as well, in the form of barakah.
in the form of contentment, in the form of peace, in the form of happiness, in the form of tranquility, all the things that we desire, it may come with the material things, it may come even without the material things. A person will get the essence of the material things. But this will come when? When we turn to Allah Ta'ala and take the lessons that these great personalities have given us. Then we'll find our lives will become truly worth living. Allah Ta'ala, give me the tawfiq, give all of us the tawfiq, that we take these great lessons from the lives of these great personalities and we live these lessons. And inshallah we'll see the great benefit to ourselves, to our families and the entire ummah at large. Allah Ta'ala, give us tawfiq, what we should do to keep these lessons alive, that we bring ta'aleem alive in every home. Ta'aleem of the fazail amal, every home, some discussion of even some basic masail of jinn, through some authentic kitab, basically zewar or something of that nature, and to talk about the greatness of Allah Ta'ala, of the life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the lives of the Sahaba Kiram, that this will become a daily thing, and we encourage one another, inshallah we'll see what dramatic changes this will bring in our homes, and what good will come in she, inshallah, the barakah that will come in everything. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا غلبنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفر لنا وترحمنا لنكون من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله